0: I really appreciate the conversation. This class takes us down. Look at that. Never had such a thing happen like that before. I don't know what that means, but it's trying to interrupt my focus. I'm trying to keep my eye upon Christ. And instead a dragonfly landed on my nose. For those of you on the recording, it was quite, that was quite interesting. Um, I appreciate the conversation every, every, where we've gone with this. I, if you know me, I do tend to go down rabbit holes sometimes. And I, I, I like to allow that to happen. Just feel like that the Lord, maybe there's something we all need to learn when we start discussing subjects that the teacher hadn't even prepared to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just find that spontaneity is, is good. And the Spirit has directed, I know in times past, um, down paths that have been really enlightening. And uh, hearing each other's testimonies and the conversation, uh, I think is just very enriching um, to me. What I'd like to do is um, ask you to turn over to Matthew, the uh, 23rd chapter and I want to talk a little bit about um, this particular scripture that, that came to mind as I was trying to study out this idea of the light is the body of the eye. Sorry, the light of the body is the eye. Um, because oftentimes we look and we see and we think we see one thing when in fact it may be something completely Different, And you'll understand when I read this scripture what I'm talking about. Uh, Matthew 23, starting at verse 22. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess... Ye blind Pharisees, cleanse first the cup and the platter within, that the outside of them may be clean also. So who wants to give me an interpretation of what that scripture means right there? What are we to understand by that? Let me to read it again? Sister Eleanor? Right here, is it?
1: We are clean inside, we are clean everywhere. It's just not something that you can do one way.
0: I think that's the lesson. I think if we are clean inside, then we are clean completely. Whereas the difference in the Pharisees was what? They put on a show. They were. They were trying to put on the show and show everyone that the outside of us is clean, but the inside, what does it say? Full of extortion and excess. It doesn't sound very pleasant, does it? Look at verse 24. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, ye hypocrites! For you are like unto the white sepulchers, which indeed appear beautifully outward... But within, but are within, full of bones of the dead, and of all uncleanness. Boy, Jesus wasn't holding any punches, was he? He was letting them have it. You know, called them hypocrites, which is really what they were. Greg?
2: The thing that he continues to bring out, and I think this is why God's love is so hard for people to understand, is because it hurts. It's constantly calling us back to him. And for us to come back to him requires a change. It's that repentance process that we have to go through. And tearing off the natural man is legitimately and literally that. It's tearing off what we feel like is ourselves. And it causes pain. And he's drawing out the fact that it doesn't matter what you're showing on the outside. It's what I see On the inside that matters. And whenever you deal with an amateur liar, because there are professionals out there that can pull this off really well, they will not look you in the eye. They refuse to make eye contact because there's another saying that hasn't come out yet, but the eye is a window to the soul. And when you look into that eye, you can tell what the intentions are (laughs) of an amateur There's a lot of professionals out there that have mastered how to get away with it. But then the great deceiver also, when challenged, like we talked about yesterday, with the only begotten Son cannot withstand the power and the majesty that resides there. Yeah, it stings,
0: doesn't it, when the Lord calls us out. We don't like to be uncomfortable. We don't like to think upon our sins, but... Jesus case in point right here he's using very strong language to call them out not to condemn them necessarily I think he wants them to repent you know isn't that why he came that he might save them as well Um, and it had an influence on some of them think about Nicodemus you know Nicodemus he came to Jesus by night probably because he didn't want the other pharisees to see him there and he recognized and called Jesus rabbi and Jesus cut to the heart of the matter with him too says you must be born again and it had an influence Jesus had an influence even though his language was harsh what would appear to be harsh it was calling them to repentance sister pat
3: what is the scripture that says that he chastises us because he loves us yeah okay i mean with our children with our our parents with us you do that out of love and so no matter how this looks and like and he didn't like you said he didn't pull any punches on that when he said to him you know that they were it was, it was, what they, they were living the letter of the law. Basically, that's what they was doing, right? Yeah. They lived the letter of the law, but they weren't living the spirit Missed of the, the law.
0: Missed the whole spirit of the law. But they
3: were better than the others, and so you're, you know, you're in trouble because you're not like us. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Pat. Oh,
3: I'm not
4: getting away with it, and I can do better, right?
0: That's exactly right. Well, and you know, it's so acceptable to um, correct our children. You know, I have my wife's a first-grade teacher, and so I hear a lot about the correction that happens. Why is it unacceptable for us as adults? I mean, and it's not unacceptable. You get my point, hopefully. Um, I, I think the sermons that we hear from the pulpit, at least part of them, or part of a sermon should be uncomfortable. It should make us stir in our seat just a little bit, like, ooh, I better change my ways, you know. But it also needs to be encouraging, and it also needs to provide guidance. So you priesthood, you've got a, quite a job on your hands, you know, to do that. Um, did I see another hand? Greg? Oh, no? Okay. Let me read to you, uh, I, I thought this was uh, a really good little quote. Let me read to you, um, my favorite author is Albert A. Smith. You've heard me say that before. This is in his book, Square Blocks. And he just has such practical uh, stories that teach lessons. So listen to this. And this is on page 13 if you've got your handout. I believe that man ought to be the greatest revelation of God's goodness. He says, Elder T.W. Williams, no relation, um, once said that four times he had seen God. He'd seen him on the seashore. He had seen him in the mountains. He'd seen him in the desert. And last of all, he had seen him in Niagara Falls. Do you get kind of the context of, of what he's starting to describe here? Who's seen God in all those places? You know, we heard about the sunset last night. Tony talked about that in his introduction. You just, you see God in his handiwork. Uh, I can say, Elbert says, I can say that four times I have perceived God at the seaside, in the mountains, in the solitude of the desert, and at Niagara Falls. But five times I have seen him because I have seen him again in the transformation of the lives and characters of men and women under the operation of the gospel. That, to me, is the greatest revelation of the power of God. The greatest miracle that Jesus wrought was not giving sight to the blind or even causing the very dead to rise up and walk. It was transforming the character of Peter, Of Mary Magdalene and other profane and vile men and women who came under the influence of the gospel I thank God that that miracle is being wrought today because it is the province of the gospel of Jesus Christ to transform the lives of men and women and help them to cleanse the inside of the cup. I couldn't have said it better. What great words that that old patriarch recorded for us. It's about the transformation of the lives of the children of men. You know, we talk about having His image in our countenance. And when you talk about light. We've been talking light all week. Today we're talking about the uh, the eye. And the light of the body is the eye. Talking about looking and seeing and having a, our eyes single, you know, to His glory. All of this, we take all of this in and it becomes part of us and it helps to cleanse the inside of us so that that light is inside. And then it becomes apparent to those that see us have you ever experienced that i want to tell you a testimony years ago i was a young architect and i worked on a big building designing it and it was under construction and part of what i do in my job is i go out during construction i meet with the contractors and provide any, you know, any guidance, or if there's something that wasn't clear on the drawing, I'll do that, or I'll walk through the building as it nears completion, and we talk about different parts and pieces, and I'll tell them, well, that's not quite the right color, that needs to be changed, or, or whatever, and I had this old um, superintendent, and superintendents at a construction site, they rule that site, these are tough guys, <laughs> and, uh, and, but I become friendly with them. Uh, matter of fact one of them I can remember years ago had a uh, he had a long ponytail and this guy was was tough and he had grown up as a carpenter and then eventually became a superintendent and I laughed because one time he told me he's like you know the only perfect carpenter they crucified him <laughs> he says there's nothing that's perfect was his point in this world um, but anyway I, I digress as I usually do Uh This man that I was walking through this construction site with, he finally stopped, put his hands on his hips. He's like, are you a Christian or something? (laughs) No, he said, are you a minister or something? That's what he said. Are you a minister or something? And I smiled and I said, well, why do you ask? And he's like, well, you know, you don't cuss, you don't do this, you don't do that, you're encouraging (laughs) And you still get your point across. And I'm like, well, and I just had an opportunity to share with that man. So he saw something in my life, and I'm not trying to lift Joe up here in any way. I just I just want you to understand that people see things in your life. You know, they see how you act. Brother Steve had to go over to, to be with the children, but he mentioned that I think earlier this week where he and Bob talked about um, – I'm going to preach a sermon and I'll use some words if I have to. And, and the inference there is that your life, you are a walking testimony. You priesthood, your actions bear witness of who you are. And it speaks to, is the inside of your cup clean? You know? And because the inside of your cup is clean, does that then reflect to the outside? And people see that. So, sorry, I'm preaching a sermon. I didn't mean to do that. Any comments on that? Have you ever experienced anything like that in your life, Brother Jim?
5: Years ago, I was superintendent of a tool and dye department. And I had a gentleman working for me that smoked, he drank, he cheated on his wife. Did all kinds of things. He was a good worker, but his morals was off the wall. But one day, the owner of the company was wanting to do something to the employees, and him and I went round and round on it and argued. And I went out in the shop, and I was pretty upset. And this gentleman came up to me, and he says, Jim, he says, I know you're a minister of the Lord. He says, you need to go, leave the building for a while, and calm down. I wasn't acting the way I should have in that position.
0: And he knew you to be different than that. Right. That wasn't your nature, and so he, g- he gave you some good counsel. I yeah, think. he did. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Gina. I
5: think my experience is more. And when raising my children, it was like there's little mirrors running around. And when they would do something naughty, I could usually look backwards and say, oh, they're imitating me. <laughs> and, and so I, I think when I remembered, I didn't always remember, but when I remembered to get up early and read my scriptures and just have my thoughts and, and attitude right for the day, Everything went better for them. It just, I mean, how many times do I have to learn the lesson over and over? But it just kept happening. And as they were growing up, I was realizing, like, they do better when I'm doing better in my heart and and with my relationship with the Lord. Great observation.
0: (laughs) Yep, a reflection of their parents. Yeah. Uh, Scott, did you have a comment? Oh, sorry. Okay. Anybody else? All right. So let's, uh, let's talk just a little bit about the inner man. So we've been talking here about the countenance in our, seeing the Lord's image in our countenance. Turn to the book of Ether, uh, chapter 1. I want to read, uh, starting at verse 80. You all are familiar with... Um, you're familiar with this uh, with this section or these scriptures right here, but Eith, starting at Ether chapter one verse eighty, seest thou that ye are created after mine own image? Yea, even all men were created in the beginning after my own image. Behold, this body which ye now behold is the body of my spirit, and man have I created after the body of my spirit. And even as I appear unto thee to be in the spirit, will I appear unto my people in the flesh. And now as I, Moroni, said I could not make a full account of these things which are written, therefore it sufficeth me to say that Jesus showed himself unto this man in the spirit, even after the manner and in the likeness of the same body, even as he showed himself unto the Nephites. And he ministered unto him, even as he ministered unto the Nephites, and all this that this man knew that he was God because of the many great works which the lord had showed unto him and because of the knowledge of this man he could not be kept from withholding sorry from beholding within the veil and he saw the finger of jesus which when he saw he fell with fear for he knew that it was the finger of the lord and he had faith no longer for he knew nothing doubting Wherefore, having this perfect knowledge of God, he could not be kept within the veil. Therefore, he saw Jesus, and he did minister unto him. There's a lot in that; uh, those verses you know, that I just read. I think really what I wanted to try to bring out in this is uh, a couple of things. One, that um, the body and the spirit are really uh, intertwined. The brother of Jared saw the body of Christ. And he explained to him, this is the body of my spirit. And it looks just like when I will appear on the earth to the Nephites. That was the example. So that's one thing. And the other thing, too, is that uh, the brother of Jared had faith no more. No longer. Had faith no longer, for he knew he had a, had a complete knowledge of who jesus christ is i hope that one of these days i have faith no longer for i know nothing doubting who our savior is any thoughts on that before we read another scripture
2: yeah greg what i find interesting about that experience with the brother of jared is it was after hours of chastisement because he had gone years without praying and so probably my favorite part about that is because God is a gracious and a merciful God he was still willing to work with the brother of Jared and the brother of Jared's heart was pliable, malleable, soft, willing to be able to be corrected so then after that correction he had a life-altering and a life-changing experience.
0: I think that's a great point. And and so it's a perfect example for us because the same could happen to us if we would come in that kind of condition of repentance and and receptive of the guidance that the Lord would give us. Yeah, very good, Greg. Thank you. Let's turn then over to Doctrine and Covenants, section 90. I'm going to read verse 5. It says, man was also in the beginning with God. Intelligence, or the light of truth, was not created or made, neither indeed can be. All truth is independent in that sphere in which God has placed it, to act for itself, as all intelligence also, otherwise there is no existence. Behold, here is the agency of man. And here is the condemnation of man, because that which was from the beginning is plainly manifest unto them, and they receive not the light. And every man whose spirit receiveth not the light is under condemnation, for man is spirit. The elements are eternal, and the spirit and the element inseparably connected receiveth a fullness of joy and when separated man cannot receive a fullness of joy the elements are the tabernacle of God yea man is the tabernacle of God even temples and whatsoever temple is defiled God shall destroy that temple man is spirit is there any question on this? Dad?
5: part, it's always been a mystery to me, is that it says that the, in the beginning it says intelligence or the light of truth was not created or made, neither indeed can be. So intelligence can't be made. I don't understand that.
0: Yeah, I don't have any intelligence on that subject.
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the only thing that, uh, that I think it probably points to is that back to the fact that God is eternal without beginning or end and there are things that are eternal um, that the Lord forms and shapes like the elements I believe that the elements are eternal just like God is eternal and he fashioned those elements together to create us create the world that we live on to create the sun he created the darkness he created evil so that there might be an opposition in all things so that we can choose him so I think there's some things that you know and this is just a man's understanding of things that are eternal so it's going to be really limited you know but intelligence was with our heavenly father uh, and is uh, eternal with him uh, Sister Barb,
1: the definition Carl gave us for intelligence is light and truth.
0: Light and truth.
1: No way can man create light and truth.
0: Very good, great explanation, Barb. Thank you, Sister Pat.
3: This is a question for you,
0: for those... That's not allowed. Nope. That's, <laughs> no, can't ask questions
3: of the teacher. This, Or for our brothers and sisters that are here. Okay. This thing that is amongst us that's coming forth with, with the artificial intelligence, uh, it's man's attempt at being God. And the fact that we're living in a day and time when the values and the moral is in short supply... Calls, question, calls upon us and to be diligent and prayerful and mindful because there will be times when we're going to be able to vote. We're going to be able to speak and share. And this reminds me of what years ago when there was that individual that decided to build the tower and he was going to go up and declare he was God and tell everybody. And, and the, at that time, the Lord chose to confound their language What is he going to do for us today? Is there not a point where Sodom and Gomorrah, where the evil comes to the point, where we must have Zion? We must. If we are going, first of all, individually, if we want to be a part of it, to be a part of the Lord's plan, because we know the Lord's going to succeed in this. It's just, you can see the signs around us, and the importance of us, me, Pat, putting the Lord first, because this is this isn't just something we can decide. Yes, we're going to do or not going to do. This is going to happen, and the, the, the thing is, what are we going to do?
0: Yeah, you know, all of these uh, inventions have made our lives easier, quote unquote. Made made our lives easier. Have they? Is the question. So let me imitate some of my, I won't say my children, but what I see young people doing today. They have, something's in their hand and they're walking, not paying attention to what's going on. I'm not picking on you guys, by the way. I'm just, because I do it too. You know, I've got, there's a, it's a distraction. What's it distracting us from? Anything that's around us. And, and even more so, what's it distracting us from? From the things that we should be doing, we talked this earlier today about where are we to put our eyes? What are we to seek after? What do we look upon so that we take that into and become part of our countenance? We need to be seeking after our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Brenda, did you have a comment?
4: Well, Courtney and I, Courtney and I, have had this conversation going. Y'all
0: dangerous sitting there. I know.
4: To so we were talking about where the commas are like in in um verse 5 intelligence comma or the light of truth and then we were you know we're thinking so that's what intelligence is it's the light of truth which we know that christ is the truth and the and and the well light but but then uh, these are isaac's scriptures i don't have mine are up in the camper but um he had underlined right before that in 4a, Now verily I say unto you, I was in the beginning with a father and am the firstborn. And so, God and Christ were just there. I mean, that's something that we don't understand. I mean, that's a question that I have children ask me all the time, who created God? So, I mean, <laughs> how do you answer that one? Yeah. So I don't know if that helped any or not, but Courtney might have more to add. Come on, Courtney. <laughs> you did good. You did good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you, Brenda. Very good, Marb.
1: When I taught computer classes, computer science classes, I always told my students they they would say, "Well, pretty soon, programming is going to be done by the computers." because the computers are going to be smart enough to do it for themselves. They won't need us. And I said, whose intelligence will they use to do that? And they just looked at me. And I said, artificial intelligence is the intelligence of the person who designs it. God's not designing it, so it's obviously not the light and truth." And you would think that people would learn long ago when I was young, back in the horse and buggy days, um, the computers had something on it called Dungeons and Dragons. And students, mostly in colleges, but I think also in high schools, would start playing Dungeons and Dragons as a game and they would get further and further into the game. It was an artificial intelligence game, like almost everything that's out there now they would get further and further into the game and as they got further and further into the game, their world became darker and darker and it was almost impossible for them on their own to get out of it. And that's what artificial intelligence is about. And I had this argument with my students all the time. No one will ever create an artificial intelligence program that is pure and honest because it always has to be bent to either the designer's intelligence or, even worse, what the programmer wants it to do. Hmm. And the programmer, take it from an expert, can make it do anything they want it to do.
0: Thank you, Mark. Who knew we had an expert in our midst on computers and artificial intelligence? Thank you for that explanation let's turn to the book of John because I want to talk about you know we've established this fact that that there is a body and a spirit there is an inner man and we need to feed that inner man don't we and John chapter 6 verse 53 and 54 says then Jesus said unto them verily verily I say unto you Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up in the resurrection of the just at the last day. What's this talking about here? What is Eating the flesh of the Son of Man and drinking His blood. What is that in reference to? The sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And it's except you do this, you'll have no life in you. That's a serious thing. Why do we um, take the sacrament once a month? Why? Why is the first Sunday of every month Sacrament Sunday? To remember who jesus christ to remember do this in remembrance of me it's become our tradition to do that on the first sunday of every month that is not a commandment but what the commandment is is to do that regularly is that the right word often thank you <laughs> everett was the
5: first or second sunday matter if not was the first or second to do it the intent if we're doing remembrance of him
0: Yeah, it it needs to be because it is of such importance because you have to have life in you we need to do that regularly and be reminded of him this do in remembrance of him now let's turn over to the second book of Nephi chapter 13 and verse 30 Dad. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, Pat.
3: I was wondering if you might answer this. I mean, I know part of the answer here. But because of loved ones that we have in our family that have joined other faiths, uh, and because of that, I, I know the answer, but I'd like for you to state it, please, why we don't have it every Sunday as they do in other faiths. Would you mind speaking to that, Yeah,
0: I think in short, um, and I'm just going to use my words, um, when you do it too frequently, then it loses its meaning. I think in short, that would be my answer. You know, so some of our our friends of other faiths that do it every Sunday where they have the sacrament, it becomes um, less special. And... I think the meaning is overlooked. So, does that sound reasonable? You good with that, Scott? Coming from a Catholic faith, you know, wherever, you know, the, the rigid every Sunday. Yeah, very routine, very ritualistic. So, Reggie?
5: The reason for the first Sunday of the month was so that the whole body of Christ would be doing it together Together. as opposed to one congregation would do it here at this Sunday another it was for the benefit of the whole body to realize that a body as a whole was remembering very doing well it said. in remembrance
0: very well said so we all with confidence even in our own independent little branches wherever you're at if we observe that, then that um, brings us together as a church. Look at 2 uh, Nephi chapter 13, verse 30. It says, Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the words of Christ, and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have... Eternal life. So, as we talk about feeding the inner man, here's great counsel for us to feast upon what's it say? The words of Christ. Where do we find the words of Christ? We got them right here. We got them right here. Very elementary, but how often do we Wake up in the morning, make our breakfast, make our lunch, see what the weather is going to be, and then we like look at our watch and we're out of time and we got to run out the door to get to work, and we don't pick up our scriptures, and we don't read, and then that evening we come home and we're tired and we've got to take out the trash and got to we gotta, we'd eat, we got to do this and that, have some dinner, and then we lay down and go to bed and we we don't pick up our scriptures I won't say we I'll just say I it happens it happens to me you know and we have to feast upon the words of Christ now think about the opposite when you get up ten minutes earlier and you have time to spend at least ten minutes in your scriptures how different is your day Gina testified of it earlier how different is your day and it reflects in your children you know when, when your mind is where it needs to be and when you're doing those things that uh, um, you need to do and you're in the Word, you know, every day, it has an influence on your life, and you grow, I think, spiritually. Elisa?
3: I'm a teacher, and um, I've noticed over the last 10 to 15 years that it's getting harder and harder to convince our students that they need to know things, because everything is so readily available on their cell phone that they have access to a lot of information that they need. They can look anything up, but they don't have to know things. And I think um, that we are being conditioned as a church to think that we know our scriptures without feasting upon the word. And, you know, because we can carry our phone around and we can look up a scripture anytime we want, we think we know these things and we don't really we carry it around we have access to the information but i don't think we really know them
0: oh that's a great point i think you're right and and feasting upon the words isn't the same as just reading the words i think when you feast you are you're really getting into that go to greg and then
2: I don't. I personally don't like that word, and I think it was intentionally used because I'd prefer to snack because it's more convenient. Um, or sometimes I find myself trying to gorge myself on the Word of Christ, but there's a, it's a, in my opinion it's a it's a very directly chosen word for that because in a feast it's meticulously planned and laid out, and there's a process in working through that feast from beginning to end and it has to be done with great care and confidence so that everybody gains the benefit and that's the exact reason why we're told not just to get up in the morning grab our scriptures and start reading but there needs to be petition so that the spirit can then move and then fill in the blanks that our natural mind a natural man's mind isn't going to grab and why the verse that i read five days ago means something different today
0: and you mentioned something great too that i completely failed to mention and and do you pray before you read your scriptures you know what about that nurture of the relationship with christ the one-on-one relationship that you have through prayer and listening to his voice and his response to your prayer and the importance of that and then oftentimes you pick up the Scriptures and what you just prayed about, He gives you an answer to. Who's experienced that, you know? Ed?
5: Uh, it well, tells us that once we've been baptized, we can speak with the tongue of the angels, and the angels speak the word of Christ. It also said that.
0: Great comparison there. Yep. Thank you so much for that. Alright, let's look at, uh, we're running out of time, but let's look at one more verse here. Turn over to the book of Alma, uh, chapter 9. And I'm going to read verses uh, 17, down through about 19. Alma 9, starting at verse 17. And therefore, he that will harden his heart, the same receiveth the lesser portion of the word. And he that will not harden his heart, to him is given the greater portion of the word, until it is given unto him to know the mysteries of God, until they know them in full. And they that will harden their hearts, to them is given lesser portion of the word, until they know nothing concerning his mysteries you know there are mysteries in the scriptures there's some you know the the gospel of salvation is easy to understand an 8 year old can understand it but there are deeper mysteries in the scriptures that require this feasting upon the words of Christ to be able to discern and understand there's so much in there and this scripture um, talks about that so that if we don't harden our heart and allow ourselves to be instructed and nurture that relationship in our prayer life with our heavenly father so that we understand his voice then he can speak to us and give us that light and in that instruction as we are feasting upon his words he opens the eyes of our understanding that way so um yeah according what it says we can know them in full
2: ed i i kind of liken that to the vessel that holds it Uh, what how much can you obtain you know, in section 43 we're told we're sanctified by that which we receive and so in full how, I mean how much room am I making to be filled with it so that might be subject to your availability to allow that to in your life versus saying I'm going to know everything possible before me I don't know so it's just another way of looking at
0: it yeah make it space for those things and fill up the space that you're willing to give it well, we didn't quite finish with uh, with our lesson today. And I'm going to tell you, so tomorrow's our last day. I struggled, and you can look at my page. I only got a half a page of notes for Friday. And I struggled and I struggled to to try to get some thoughts on paper for that. But what I realized, and maybe it's kind of like we talked about Moroni, how he finished the Book of Mormon, and he's like, all right, I'm, I hadn't died yet, so I'm going to write all these things down that he he didn't cover he felt completely and so i think tomorrow we're going to pull some of the things that we didn't get covered in some of the earlier days and of this week and try to get those um, discussed tomorrow in class so watch therefore for you know not the hour is going to be our concluding class and we're going to pull some of the things together that we didn't cover um, during the course of the week and try to get everything uh, talked through on this subject of of the light of, uh, of God. So thank you so much for your time today and all the discussion. I really enjoyed our time together.